I have for you a picture of me and my friend Aaron. That's actually from my wedding, so it's a long time ago. Uh, he was one of the groomsmen uh, in uh, Lisa and Mai's wedding. Aaron and I met at Dallas Theological Seminary. We lived across the hall from each other, and uh, we were great friends. When I first met Aaron, he was convinced that God wanted him to marry a girl uh, from back home. Her name was Melita. And he was convinced that this was who God had chosen for him to marry. Well, when I first met him, I found his conviction in this to be quite strong. However, there was a problem. The woman he was convinced he was supposed to marry, wanting nothing to do with him, wouldn't talk to him, and was dating someone else quite seriously. Now, at first, seeing his conviction, we were supportive, myself and some other friends. But at some point, we started to say to Aaron, hey, look, that's, that's great, but she won't even talk to you. She wants nothing to do with you. I think it's time for you to move on. There's lots of other eligible women that you could be pursuing. But Aaron was absolutely sure that God wanted him to marry Melita. And so, by faith, he says, I'm not doing those things. Well, I gotta tell you, I found that to be his faith, to be an encouragement. Have you ever known someone to have faith like that? That in the face of, in my opinion, seemingly overwhelming obstacles, they continue to believe and they continue to hold fast have you ever wanted to have faith like that? Have you ever wanted to be someone who could hold on to something that you feel God has given you and no matter what comes, to hold tightly to that thing? Well, this morning we want to talk about how it is that you and I can grow to be people who have that kind of faith. So I'd like you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Romans chapter 4. Book of Romans chapter 4. It's page 913 in the church Bibles. Romans chapter 4. Now last week we talked about the good news of the gospel that God has provided for us in Jesus justification which means we are declared not guilty before God, that we are righteous before God. Redemption, which means that we have been purchased by God and set free from the power of sin. Atonement, which means that through Jesus, God has made amends for all of our sins. And fourth, that God has demonstrated in an objective way his love for us, so that all can see his mercy, his kindness, and his justice. We also said last week that those truths are received by faith. But that raises the question, how does someone have faith? How does someone either as a non-Christian have saving faith or as a Christian have the kind of faith like my friend Aaron had, the kind of faith that encourages others, the kind of faith that allows us to hold on to the promises that we've been given? 
The key verse in the book of Romans is that the righteous will live by faith. That's why our sermon series is called Living by Faith. And the question is, how do we be the kind of people who have that sort of strong faith? Well, in Romans chapter 4, Paul's going to use a personal example, the story of Abraham, to teach us how to have stronger faith. Now, other than Jesus, no one in the Bible exemplified greater strength of faith than Abraham. And so in Romans chapter four, Paul examines the person of Abraham to teach us how to have faith. So look with me as we begin reading in verse one. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this manner? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? And this is a very, very key verse. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Jump down to verse number 12. And he, Abraham, is then also the father of the circumcised, who, are not, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. See that phrase? Those who follow in the footsteps of faith. What Paul is talking about in Romans 4 is how you and I can follow in Abraham's footsteps and have the kind of strong faith that will allow us to believe what God has said. And so what I want to give you this morning is three principles from God's Word so that you and I can have faith like Abraham had faith. The first principle comes out of verses 13 through 17. So speaking of how to have the faith of Abraham, Paul says, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it might be by, may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. 
the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. The first principle to having strong faith, to having the faith of Abraham, is to hear the promises of God through faith and not through works. To hear the promises of God through faith and not through works. What do I mean by that? Well, in Genesis chapter 15, the passage that Paul is referring to here in Romans 4, it says, this is God speaking, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. This is a promise from God to Abraham that Abraham is going to have more offspring, descendants, than the stars in the sky. That's what Pastor Josh was talking to uh, the kids and to us about this morning. But I want you to look very closely at that promise, which disappeared, but it might be back. That promise, and I want you to see what's missing from that promise. What's missing from the promise is there are no conditions. There are no ifs. Now, the word if is up there. But that's not a condition of the promise. This is simply God saying, Abraham, I'm going to give you more descendants than you could possibly count. It doesn't say if you obey me. It doesn't say if you do the right thing. It doesn't say if you're a good person. Do you see the promise? It is an unconditional promise. Now, hear me carefully. There are lots and lots of promises in the Bible that are conditional. If you do this, you will experience the blessing of God. That is absolutely the case. There are many, many conditional promises in the Bible. However, there are also a great number of unconditional promises. Promises that do not in any way depend on our effort. And this first point that I'm making to have the faith of Abraham means for you and I to hear the unconditional promises of God through faith and not through works. For example, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. God says of you and I who are believers in Jesus, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Do you see any ifs in that promise? Do you see any conditions in that promise? To hear that promise through faith is to hear God saying every single one of our sins, known and unknown, confessed and unconfessed, things that we're aware of, things that we're unaware of, 
every single sin, even the sins that we do over and over again, even the ones where we know that we shouldn't have done them. God says, your sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. To hear that promise by faith is to say, all my sins are forgotten by God in Jesus. To hear that promise by works is to say, well, I know it says that, but God doesn't really mean all of my sins. He means just the sins that I'm really, really sorry for. Or if I didn't confess them in just the right way, or if I've done the same thing over and over again, then I won't experience the forgiveness. Listen, all of us are tempted to hear the promises of God through works, that somehow these unconditional promises depend on us, To have the faith of Abraham is to hear that promise through faith. Another example in Mark chapter 10. Jesus says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, childrens, and fields, along with persecution, so this is not a health and wealth kind of deal, and in the age to come, eternal life. Do you see any ifs in that promise? Now, the only possible is, is if is if you don't give anything up for the gospel, this doesn't apply. But the point is, There is no one, not one single person, Jesus says, who gives something up for me and for the gospel who will fail to receive, look at it, a hundred times as much in this present age. Now to hear that promise by faith is to say, well, I feel like I kind of gave up some of my relationships with my siblings when I became a Christian. To hear that promise by faith is to look around and say, where are all of the other spiritual brothers and sisters that God has now provided in fulfillment of that promise? To hear that promise by works is to say, well, maybe I didn't give up enough stuff. Maybe my sacrifice wasn't really that big. To have the faith of Abraham is to hear the unconditional promises of God by faith, not by works, not dependent on what we do. One more example, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation, and by the word temptation, Paul means here trial or difficulty, anything hard that you or I might go through. No difficult thing has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Do you see any ifs in that promise? Do you see any conditions in that promise whatsoever? No, God has promised that there is no way that we will go through more than what we can handle. But when we are going through something difficult, 
God will provide a way for us to stand up under it. To hear that promise by faith means that when we're in the middle of a difficult situation, we start looking around to say, okay, God, where's the help? Okay, God, I know you're going to provide something to help me endure this. Where is it? To hear that promise by works is to think, well, God's only going to do that if I pray hard enough. Is prayer a condition of God doing this? No. God has promised unconditionally. So the first step in having the faith of Abraham is to hear the promises of God through faith and not through works. Simply to believe them because God has made them and not think that they are dependent on us. Now again, there's lots and lots of promises that are dependent on us. There are lots and lots of conditional promises in the Bible. If you do this, God will bless you. But to have the faith of Abraham is when it comes to the unconditional promises, to hear them by faith and not by works. Second step in having the faith of Abraham, verses 18 and 19. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Second step in having the faith of Abraham, acknowledge the hopelessness of the situation and face the facts head on. Acknowledge the hopelessness of the situation and face the facts head on. Listen, Abraham is a hundred years old. His wife is not that much younger than he is. They've not been able to have a biological child for their entire married life. Since Abraham first received the promise from God, it's been probably about 20 years before God actually fulfills that and gives them a biological child, the child Isaac. Can you imagine being in that situation? Can you imagine having been barren for all of those years to now be in your, almost in your 100s or in your early 90s in Sarah's case, to have waited so long and not seen anything happen? What I love about this passage is Paul is saying, hey, look, Abraham faced the facts. He was honest about the fact that this is a hopeless situation. Hear me correctly. Putting a positive spin on a negative situation is not faith. That's optimism, but that's not faith. Faith is to be honest about the hopelessness of the situation that you're in. If you too have been unable to have a biological child, To simply pretend that it hasn't been that hard is not what God is saying to do. 
to simply think, oh, we're just a few weeks away from being able to make this work. The second step in the process is face the facts. Acknowledge the hopelessness of the situation. If you're in the middle of a difficult marriage, trying to pretend that you're not in the middle of a difficult marriage is not faith. If you're in real financial trouble, pretending that you're not in real financial trouble is not faith. The second step is acknowledging, look, the situation I'm in is hopeless. The situation that I'm in is difficult. Face the facts. This is not trying to bury them, burying our head in the sand. You see, when we downplay how difficult things are, we tend to play up our own ability to solve our problems. That's not what Abraham did. Abraham didn't say, well, I'm almost 100, but I'm not yet 100. Maybe there's still chance. Abraham didn't say, well, it's been about 20 years since God made this promise. Maybe tomorrow's going to be the day. He faced the facts that this was an incredibly difficult, hopeless situation. And God calls on us to do the same thing because when we're in a hopeless situation, now God can do something. So the second step in the process, face the facts and acknowledge the hopelessness, humanly speaking, of the situation that you're in. Third and final step in the process to have the faith of Abraham, verses 20 and 21. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Now listen, if you've gone through these first two steps, if you hear a promise like 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that says, nothing is going to overtake you except that which is common to humanity, but God's gonna be faithful and provide a way out for you to stand up underneath of it. But then you move to step two and you begin to honestly look at the situation that you're in. You begin to honestly look at the difficulties and you think, but there's no way I'm going to get this job. There's no way I'm going to be able to make it, uh, make this relationship work. There's no way I'm going to be able to deal with this health situation. If you and I are honest in step two, what begins to happen is we start to waver. We start to waver and we start to think, well, God's not going to provide a way out for me to stand up underneath of this, which leads us to step three. And that is being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promised he would do. It's interesting to me that Paul is referring to an event in Abraham's life from Genesis chapter 15. But Abraham's story begins in Genesis chapter 12. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 15, Abraham has already seen God call him and take him to a new land. He's already seen God rescue him out of Pharaoh's hand in Egypt. He's already seen God give him a great military victory in helping him get his nephew Lot back. He's already seen God give him visions and dreams. He's already seen God do a number of things along the way. And what's so encouraging to me is, do you see the verb was strengthened in verse 20 and the verb in verse 21 being fully persuaded 
Those are what we call passive tense verbs, passive verbs. The idea is not that Abraham is strengthening himself. It's that God is strengthening Abraham in his faith and that as Abraham looks back on all the things God has done, he stops wavering in unbelief. And he says, wait a minute, God's got the power to do this. Look at all the things God has done so far. The same is true for you and I. Maybe you have a child who's struggling with spiritual warfare. But you see another child who had been struggling with spiritual warfare that God showed up and rescued that child. That is God strengthening you to say, look, I've got the power to do this. This is one of the reasons we share stories with one another. Because listen, if God's got the power to fix your marriage, God's got the power to fix my marriage. If God's got the power to help you raise children, God's got the power to help me raise children. If God's got the power to heal you, he's got the power to heal me. Being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he's promised. This is the gift of God to us. So I have an assignment for each one of us. What I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to think of a particular situation that you would like to have more faith in regards to. I would like you to think of a particular situation that you wish you were stronger in faith in regard to. It can be a health situation. It can be a job situation. It can be a relationship situation. It can be something about the future. Whatever it is, think of a situation that you think, I would like to have stronger faith in that situation. Do you have one? What I want you to do is to take that situation and go through these three steps in regards to that. Number one, I want you to find an unconditional promise of God that applies to that situation. Now to help you in your notes, I listed some passages which are unconditional promises of God that are true for all Christians, true for all believers. When you have time, go through and read those, highlight one of them or another passage God gives you that is an unconditional promise that applies to the situation that you're in. Now in just a moment, we're gonna actually help you do step number one right here. We're gonna have some time of meditation and go through some promises. Whatever the situation you've got in mind, listen to the promises, and whichever one feels like it goes with that situation, I want you to hold on to that. And I want you to hear that promise by faith and not by works as being unconditional, something God is going to do, not dependent on you at all. Second step, I want you to take whatever situation you want to have more faith in and sit down and be honest about how hard that situation is. To honestly face the facts of why it's such a hopeless feeling situation. Maybe others who've had the same medical condition Maybe it didn't work out for well for them. Maybe others who've gone through this same relational issue, it was incredibly difficult. Maybe you've tried everything to try to deal with the spiritual warfare in your life and nothing seems to be working. 
Maybe this is a difficulty that you've had for years and years. Maybe you've been waiting for God to do something for a long time and he hasn't done. Whatever it is, step number two, go through and be, be honest about how difficult and hopeless the situation is. And then step three. Allow yourself to become fully persuaded that God has the power to do something. Go back through other experiences in your life where God has done something miraculous or marvelous or powerful. Think about testimonies that you've heard from others where God has provided a healing or God's provided guidance or God's provided encouragement, or God's walked someone through the loss of a loved one. Whatever it may be, allow yourself to become fully persuaded that, hey, look, God has the power to do what he's promised he's going to do. Now, like I said, just a minute. We're going to spend some time on that first step, identifying some unconditional promises of God. But before we do, I want to leave you with an encouragement. It's an encouragement that comes from verse 4 in our passage. Sorry, verse 3. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I never told you that my friend Aaron... That was a picture of him in our wedding. I got to be a groomsman in his wedding when he married Melita. The reason I didn't tell you the end of the story at the beginning is because Aaron was not successful when he got married. Aaron was successful the moment he chose to believe. The goal is not receiving the promise. The goal is having faith. Abraham believed God, and at that moment, he allowed himself to become fully persuaded that God had the power to do this. At that moment, he was credited with righteousness. At that moment, he did what was pleasing to God. It's not when we receive the promise. It's when the faith appears in our lives. Some of the promises that God makes to us will not be fully fulfilled until we get to heaven. But the moment that you or I choose to have faith, that's when God is pleased with us. So if you walk out of here today and you go, I got my situation, I went through my three steps. I don't have my promise yet. But you have what God is looking for, faith. So be encouraged. The goal is to follow in the footsteps of Abraham's faith. It's not to receive all the things Abraham received. 